0: One day, Antony was called to report to Soviet headquarters. It was not one of his scheduled visits, so everybody was feeling anxious. What might they want? You have been following Borianov's instructions and reporting twice a week after all. Maria, do not worry. I will return, said Antony. The major greeted Antony very politely and asked after the health of Maria and the rest of the household. He also inquired as to whether the so called night ghosts, as he called them, were still troubling Litvinovka. Everything seems to be in order. Our new dog, Julik, does a great job frightening off the intruders. Uh, please do enlighten me as to why I have the privilege of seeing the major for the third time this week. Let's calm down here. We will talk about that in a minute. But are you aware of the honor that has been bestowed upon your Mikoy? No, and I'm really not that interested. That is not very nice. Not at all. Buryanov looked up at the portrait which hung above his desk on the wall. Your brother-in-law was received at the Kremlin by Stalin himself. Congratulations! Anthony did not utter a word, a bitter taste like wormwood gathering his mouth. May I leave now? he asked. Lost in thought, Borianov had forgotten to ask about the portrait of so-called relative in Litvinovka. Had it already been taken down and had Maria Yakovlevna done as she had been ordered? Maria had no intention to follow this command, much to the delight of Zhuchek and his army. Despite the promise, military exercises continued every time the parents were away. Abrahamek promised never ever to wear a red armband again. Jakub, however, objected to any such loud games in front of the picture of the great leader Piusudzki. He tried to reason with Maria. You really are not aware what these children are up to. Take down this portrait. As it will create trouble for Antony. Wait for better times. The twins keep bringing their cousins to play, and shout loudly that they have conquered the Bolsheviks. Walls have ears. Somebody will report you, and that will be the end. You will both go to prison. Dear father, this is just children playing. Who will take them seriously? But this portrait keeps me alive, like the proverbial bread and water. When Antony and I are in the dining room, we can feel free, even for a short time, as we look into wise eyes of Marshal Piuszki. He gives us strength and belief that freedom will return. One very cold and frosty afternoon, Olenka visited Litvinovka. Antony warmly greeted his sister-in-law and not wanting to disturb the sisters, left to visit Yakup and Martha. Olenka looked very elegant, wearing a smart, great astrakhan fur coat and small matching pillar box hat. Her long, straight hair had been recently cut and permed, and a wisp of it stuck out from under the head. This latest frivolity unsettled Jakub as he still liked to impose his traditional rules, even in the way people dressed and wore their hair. The room filled with the familiar but sickly of Buryanov aroma. Olga arrived with the samovar and shortcakes, and the women sat down comfortably in the armchairs. Olenka looked at the portrait and moved her eyes disapprovingly towards Maria, but said nothing. She knew that in an argument she would always lose to Maria. Maria thought for a moment that she wanted to help her out financially, and gestured by the way of protest. Maria, these are only photographs. Maria would never have accepted a single slot from Mikwai. Not that there was any need for that, anyway. Before Maria had managed to compose herself, she already had two photographs in her hand. In one... A smiling brother-in-law stood side by side with Stalin. The other photograph showed a table laden with food and drink, and apart from Stalin and Mikoy, there were many other dignitaries, each holding a glass of champagne. Silence descended. Maria felt faint, her mouth felt dry, and she tried to swallow her saliva and overcome the feeling of disgust. I knew that before the war your husband was involved in forbidden communist activities and was duly punished for that. I had hoped he had stopped, but it seems he has learned nothing. What a shame. His supposed achievement is not an honour, but humiliation. Do not be proud of these photographs and please put them away. Do not show them to anyone. Do you understand what I am saying to you?" By now she was shouting rather loudly at Olenka. Maria, who was normally so well controlled, knew that she had behaved very impolitely. In a split second, Olenka's happiness and flash cheeks disappeared. She stood there, looking pale, with her eyes full of tears, and said nothing. Maria examined the other photographs. They were mostly family shots taken in Savino-Litvinovka. Among them, there were wedding pictures of her and Antony. She smiled to herself. Maria looked up with her sad eyes. They were full of tears now. She understood why amongst those photographs brought from Moscow, there were family photographs too. She choked back tears and tried to remain calm. I understand Yolenka. This is, I'm sure, what your husband wanted you to do. I will keep these photographs and take them out in better times. Believe me, those times will come. Tell Mikoy that they will not be used to embarrass him. I'm not cross and do not want to lose you. What do these few rectangles of papers mean anyway? We can tear them and burn them. But blood ties will not be broken. You can tell this to Mikoy. I only wonder why he didn't come here himself. Was he short of courage, perhaps? I would have never suspected that. He must be a true coward. It is not like that at all, said Olenka as she tried to defend Mikoy. He's not in the country. He asked me a long time ago to... Never mind. Soon Maria showed Olenka back to the her courage, but they both remained very somber, and the happy atmosphere in the house was gone too. Maria did not shed a tear. She didn't cry when Antony went to war, when Litvinovka was pilfered, and when Arbuzov rampaged through her wardrobes. She was just as determined to remain stoic now. Even Arbuzov has sent Maria a card and thanking her for all the gifts his wife has received. What irony, Maria thought. Antony returned from Jakob's house, and judging by Maria's demeanor, he knew that the visit had not gone well. Think about it, he said. Olenka could not have done anything differently. Please, Maria, cheer up. I love you so much. We are all together, and for this we should thank God. You are right. We have to preserve our strengths in order to survive and prepare for yours at Enwood's escape. That night turned out to be a very troubling as robbers again returned to the settlement. Julik howled loudly, and even Ace joined in from the comfort of his armchair. What was left over from the hens, turkeys, and geese made enough noise to make Antony and Zahar want to go out and chase the thieves away. Maria, however, forbade them from leaving the house. This may be a trap for you, Antony. They want you, and this way you would be an easy target. I forbid you categorically. Maria's intuition had not let her down. The next day, Olga brought interesting news. Acquaintances of hers who happened to be passing Litvinovka on the previous evening, had noticed soldiers in Soviet uniforms in the vicinity. No doubt, they were trying to take advantage of Mikoy's absence and set a trap for Antony. It would be very easy to explain Antony's death in this way, had of course any explanation been necessary. Maria was truly shaken and immediately asked for the carriage to be prepared and left for the Soviet headquarters. With surprisingly little effort, she managed to gain an audience as Major Burianov. This situation had pushed her to the limit. Pan Major, how could you behave so appallingly? I thought of you differently. Why did you frighten us in the middle of the night? I know you want to kill my husband. You do not even have the courage to do it openly. Burianov opened his eyes even wider. He was perplexed and did not understand what she was talking about, as he had never given any orders. Please believe me, they were not my men. I give you my word as an officer, and I never lie. Maria, I repeat once more, these were not my people, and I have no intention of behaving like that. I have no idea who was behind this, and if you wish, I will send over soldiers tonight to protect the settlement and cut those who blemished our uniforms. The adjutant put down a tray with two glasses of tea and handed one to Maria. She sat stiffly with reddened cheeks. And he thinks I believe him, she whispered to herself. Drink up. Tea works wonders to calm the nerves. My grandmother, who was educated and very well off, used to say that a cup of Georgian tea with fresh mint is the best remedy for all troubles. And what I wanted to say, Maria Yakovlevna, is that whatever happens to you or your family would never be on my orders. I'm the last person who would want to harm you. If I only could... He didn't manage to finish the sentence, as he was suddenly called to go to his car to leave for Vilnius to attend a most urgent matter. Maria left the headquarters with mixed feelings. The major's behaviour had forced her to think things over. To her, he sometimes appeared nice, warm and sensitive, and at other times she felt he wanted to squash her under his boot into the ground. If only I could... What was he trying to say? What was he trying to warn them of? What dangers was Litvinovka under? Crows and ravens did not descend again, and calm returned to Litvinovka. The family even went out into the courtyard after dusk, which was unthinkable before, as previously they were afraid for their lives and would always bolt all the doors before sunset. One afternoon, somebody gently knocked on the front door. Olga went out on the veranda. And spotted Christina standing frozen on the footsteps. She was filthy, wore a ragged shawl and, despite the cold and frost, wore scarfed shoes over bare feet. Olga as usual invited her in, fed and cleaned her up. Please ask Pani Maria if I can go into the kitchen and see the girls. After a few moments, Olga returned and invited her into the main house. Maria had opened her famous old trunk that Nunia loved so much and which now stood by Ace's armchair. It was beautifully crafted with a heavy lid secured by metal clasps. In between the clasp the lid was decorated with iron maple leaves and animals with fox-like faces. Maria took out a large black shawl, which was a present from her grandmother Maruta. It had been lying for years at the bottom of the trunk. After a few moments, Olga returned and invited her into the main house. Maria had opened her famous old trunk that Nunia loved so much, and which now stood by ace's armchair it was beautifully crafted with a heavy lid secured by metal clasps in between the clasp the lid was decorated with iron maple leaves and animals with fox-like faces maria didn't know why on this particular day she finally decided to give the shawl to christina that evening she was particularly generous she asked olga to bring many things from the attic and pack them for the fortune teller some of them were used or worn but some were even brand new. I will never see you, Pani Maria, ever again. I only accepted the shawl and your gifts as they will be my souvenir of your family. I love you all very much. A cold shiver ran down Maria's back. She was angry with herself for getting into conversation with the fortune teller again. Christina, we have no intention of leaving Litvinovka, and remember, whenever you are in need, please knock on our door, as you are always welcome. You will always find some hot food and clothes here. Maria left the kitchen, and as she did, Christina turned around and shouted Farewell, dearest Bunny Maria, may God help you. But Maria did not hear these words, as she was very flustered and had already left the room closing the door loudly behind her. Olga busied herself preparing a small gathering litvinovka. Only a handful of usual guests attended. There was no Father Malinovsky, no police commandant, no mayor, nor the usual officer of Friends of Antony. Neither did the guests stay long, and before dusk most of them had already left, with only Zofia and Juchek staying on. Zofia told Maria what she had been hearing in town, and that the gossipmongers were saying that Litvinovka still had plenty of supplies and had been spared the worst of the thieving. It was rumoured that they were being protected by Mikoy and that even if they had not escaped completely, much worse was happening elsewhere. Mikoy probably regularly drops off a considerable sum of money. Who would have predicted that? They pretend to be so grand and now are eating from the Bolsheviks' bowl. One day in Kurieniec, Maria was doing some shopping. Suddenly she was alert to the sound of footsteps immediately behind her. Maria turned her head to see a very tall man in a leather coat and a very expensive fur hat. At first she could not remember where she had seen him before. And then it came to her. She recalled seeing him in Soviet headquarters exiting a room with two security soldiers standing guard outside. He always wore civilian clothes and clearly must have been a spy. I wanted to invite you for a chat for quite a long time now. I know who you are. I was a guest at Savin recently. And what an honour it was to meet your brother-in-law. Comrade Mikołaj showed me the pictures taken with Joseph Stalin. Wonderful. You must be very proud of him. It is a very dubious honour for me, if not a source of deep humiliation. Um, I've never expected him to be such a naive idealist. He has no idea who you really are. Your remarks qualify for the worst punishment. Do you have any idea who are you talking to? No, she replies thoroughly. I just spoke to the men who, for reasons unbeknown to me, turn up in the foreign land, my land. And if you permit me, I will bid you farewell now. I'm in a hurry, it's cold, and my family will be getting worried. And as a matter of fact, I really do not know who I'm dedicating so much time to. So please, introduce yourself. Andrei Maximovich Samolyov. he said. And then he added, We will meet again soon. She moved on from Samolyov. Her legs fell like jelly. Thoughts tumbled through Maria's head. If only I can make it to the next street. and the next corner, I'll be safe. God let me make it to Peska's room. Maybe he has drawn his pistol by now. They shoot you in the back or in the back of your head. General Kovalevsky told me that, yes, that is what they do, I will orphan my children. Why did I say that? But I could not do otherwise, because that is the truth. There was no shot, neither in the back, nor in the back of their head. Petrified but relieved, she burst into the warm and cozy tea room In Litvinovka's secret preparations for the escape of Antony and Edmund had been underway for some time. They were waiting for better weather, but January of 1940 was particularly cold and windy and a very severe frost was expected to arrive at the beginning of February. On the 7th of February, a sleigh pulled up in the courtyard and Olenka got out, closely followed by a hand carrying a very big parcel under his arm. Olga ran quickly to the dining room to inform Maria about the arrival of the guests from Savin. Maria looked out of the window, puzzled as to what her sister had brought to show her this time. It was not a small envelope, but something the size of a half of a sack. What could this be? Perhaps something that compromised Mikoi. Maybe Olenka had decided to return all the gifts she had received from Litvinovka. After a while, it was quite obvious that the sack contained something very prosaic indeed. The huge thigh of a calf. Known for her excellent culinary skills, Maria was asked to roast it according to her secret recipe. Olenka looked very depressed. Mikoyi had been away for more than 10 days and she had received no news about him except from Major Dvorianov, who said that he was in Moscow and would return on the 11th. The Major, on behalf of Mikoyi, had asked her to prepare a small celebration for his return. Maria, I'm not sure whether to believe him, Olenka said. I'm not surprised, since when can you trust these occupiers? But you know Mikoy perhaps even better than I do. He never cheated or lied and has always been truthful and fair. I know, Olenka, but now that he mixes with those friends. I will say nothing more. When would you like to have this roast ready for? asked Maria. The 11th of February, please. Zaha will bring it over or maybe I'll come with the girls. It will be more fun for you and we can have a chat. What time are you expecting your guests? Sometime in the evening, Olenka replied. Okay, we will see you around 10 in the morning then. On the ninth of February, the veal was roasted and the delicious aroma of Maria's recipe filled the kitchen. By the time it was finished, it was already 9 o'clock in the evening, but even so, Maria asked Zaha to prepare the sleigh. The temperature outside had dropped to 20 degrees centigrade below freezing, and because Danusha had a runny nose and was unwell, only Nunia accompanied Maria. Nunia was not thrilled at the prospect of performing this duty. Antony, for obvious reasons, refrained from leaving the house. Everybody in Litvinovka tried to discourage Maria from going in the evening and to convince her to postpone it until the next day, but she could not be persuaded. ''I do not understand, Mama, why you prepared the rose so early. ''From what I recall,'' Edmund said, Aunt Olenka asked you to bring it over on the 11th and today's only the 9th. ''I want to get the job done. ''Anyway, my sister's behaviour really worried me. ''It was so strange. ''She said she worried about her husband, but her eyes never left my face. ''What was she trying to convey?'' Did you notice? Her hands shook, and she was as pale as paper. Perhaps something did happen to Mikoi, and she was afraid to say anything. The sleigh, which was lined with soft sheepskin, waited in the courtyard. On both sides of the sleigh, Zaha had hung kerosene lamps. The sleigh blades moved soundlessly across the smooth snow, and the eerie silence was punctured only from time to time by Gnady's snorting. The deep blue sky, glittered with a multitude of stars, Tall trees stood noble and motionless by the roadside. Not a single branch twitched and no wind disturbed the magical calm. Crystal clear air filled the lungs. The forest path steepened and was surrounded on both sides by a gigantic wall of trees. The starry sky disappeared and deep blackness hung over the heads of the travellers as if passing from God's lightness to a deep murky abyss. Núñez squeezed tightly to her mother's arm and shivered. It felt like some huge power was pushing her towards a dark dungeon. Soon they emerged from the black tunnel of trees, passed the cemetery, and could see Savin. How wonderful to have Mummy by my side, she thought. Olenka opened the door wide. Has anything happened, Maria? Oh, nothing bad at all. It's just that your roast is ready and it looks so appetizing. I hope that your guests, whoever they are, will appreciate it. Olenka seemed embarrassed, for a second Maria thought that perhaps Mikoi has returned early and she did not want to be disturbed. Olenka, take the roast and we will head home straight away as it is too late for us to stay. Oh, there is nobody here except Irenka. Anuta and Zoya have been staying at my mother's in-laws for the past week. Yes, I heard from the twins that they had not seen your daughters at school for the last few days. Is everything okay here? When you visited us last, you appeared very worried. All I know is that Mikoi will return in two days, on the eleventh. They have called off the celebration, so please take back the roast. We have enough meat here for us," said Olenka. Olenka started to prepare some food, but Maria had no intention to stay. She knew Antony would start to worry, but Olenka would not hear of this. She insisted that Maria and Nunez stay and forcibly remove Maria's coat. Deep suffering was etched on Olenka's face. Was she telling the truth? What really was happening with Mikoy? And why had she sent her older daughters to her mother-in-law? Nyunia, please get ready now, we really have to go. Olenka had tears in her eyes as she patted Nyunia on her head and kissed her on both cheeks. She was behaving in a most unusual manner, which made Maria more and more uneasy. Finally Maria and Junia got up to leave, but Olenka was still trying to press the roast on them. Please take it, it will be very useful. The word useful was used several times, as the heavy roast was passed back and forth between the hands of the two sisters. Maria, who was getting upset by now, said... "'Why did I work so hard? I only wanted to do my best for you. Your behaviour is extraordinary. What is it all about? If you do not need the rose, let I keep it for your friends, Burianov, Samolyov, and all his bandits, especially the last one.' I saw his face and his wild eyes just lying in wait for his next victim. Olenka was visibly shaken. "'Maria, keep quiet.' Talking this way will not help you. You have always been so careful with words. What are you going to achieve by offending those who are in charge now? You will not change history. Maria's thoughts travelled far back to 1917. She had never imagined that for a second time she would be harmed by the Bolshevik hand. My dear, I fear worse is still to come. This is only the beginning of a common evil that will spare no one, Maria concluded. Olenka's eyes were full of love, but also an incredible fear. She looked at Maria as if she was seeing her for the first time and wanted to remember every detail of her face. ''Where did you put those photographs I brought to you on my last visit? I do not have copies and would like them back, please. Tell me where you hid them.'' Maria's icy glance swept over Olenka's face. ''You are unbelievable. Why do you suddenly want all those family photographs back?'' Does the thought of them prevent you from sleeping? Are you finally standing up to Mikolai, That would be a true act of heroism. It's about time you look at things through your own eyes, not just seeing things with the confused brain of Mikolai. Is he afraid that I will walk around and show all those family photos of us together and ruin his career? He can relax. Those photographs are not for show. Olenka's eyes were full of tears again as she quietly addressed Maria. I did not mean that at all I wanted them for myself. I beg you, tell me where you hid them. I have to know, and I have to find them. Maria and Nunia sat in a sleigh. Olenka never received a reply to her question about where the photographs were. Maria's face was very pale and a deep sorrow sat in her eyes. She was worried for her sister and felt something very bad was about to happen at Savin. Olenka ran towards the sleigh and, trembling, embraced Maria, alternatively kissing her and Nunya. As Gnyadi got ready to set off and the sleigh blades started to creak on the snow, Olenka grabbed hold of the reins. Wait, Zahat, wait, I forgot the honey. The coachman stopped the impatient horse and Olenka ran into the house and brought out a three-liter pot of honey. Farewell. Remember, I love you very much. Why are you still crying, Olenka? We can meet tomorrow, not here, but in Litvinovka, and I will prepare Babcia Maruta's blinis with bilberries, pearls and cream. I know how much you love them. I think Mikoi's long absence has unsettled you a little. Sleep well and see you tomorrow. Olenka opened her mouth as if she wanted to say something. The sleigh was ready to leave. Olenka took a step forward and made a gesture. Perhaps it was a sign of the cross. She wanted to run after them, but her legs failed her. Perhaps she wanted to say something that she couldn't or was not allowed to. She wanted to scream for all the word to hear and curse those who forced her to remain silent. Zaha signalled to to move on, and the sleigh made a half-circle and noiselessly departed in the direction of the cemetery. Nunia's thoughts turned to her auntie. She must have been unwell, or perhaps Uncle Mikoi has encountered some big problems that she was not able to share with Maria. As they entered the forest, both Maria and Junia turned their heads back towards Savin, where Olenka could just be seen standing in the doorway. The weak lights of Savin flickered for the last time, and the figure at the door became just a shapeless, motionless shadow, the shadow of a disappearing past. This evening would always remain an open wound for the sisters that would never heal. Something was never told. Some big questions were unanswered and were only explained years later, but not by Olenka. God would never allow them to meet again, despite Olenka begging for it on many occasions. The threat of Olenka's ball of life did not stretch for long, and the ball would stop rolling when she was just 36 years old. The forest darkness descended on the travellers. Gnadi was unruly, read frequently and slowed down, The sleigh shook and the blades groaned on the snow, as Zaha seemed to drive nervously. Nunya didn't want to experience the same blackness of the forest tunnel, so closed her eyes, and the rhythm of the sleigh and the warmth of the sheepskin beckoned her to sleep. Suddenly, a thousand heads swung in the dark abyss, whispering unrecognisable words, hands stretched in supplication. Among them, Nunia saw the face of crying Pani Sophia, trying to push her way forward, but the moving wall of bodies made her task impossible. Where did they come from? Who had gathered them? She could see that one of Olenka's hand was bleeding and the other cuddling a big object close to her heart. She kept pushing everybody away. Where was she going? Where was she going? Mommy, mommy, please help! She heard Maria's warm and soothing voice. What happened? You were screaming. Please don't be afraid. We will soon be out of the forest. Don't talk and cover your mouth with your scarf. The frost must be close to minus thirty. nunia realized that she was alive after all. Wrapped in warm sheepskin, she must have fallen asleep. The strong wind made breathing difficult. What happened to those heavenly lights, she thought to herself but instead of stars, the black clouds danced in ugly, frayed dresses. Finally, Gnadi neighed happily as he heard familiar barking coming from the distance. At last my ladies have returned, Antony said as he kissed Maria. I was going to Mount Bashka and go to Savin as I was worried. Edmund has fallen asleep. Is everything okay? Now Antony took Nunya in his arms and carried her inside. Nunya felt his warmth and thought of Zuczok who must be missing his father very much. Olga put nunia to bed. That night, unusually, Ace placed himself on the floor between Njunia and Danusha's beds. Perhaps it was too cold in the kitchen. Njunia patted him on his delicate, smooth back and he lifted his head in appreciation. She knew that he must have missed her, as he always protected her, but she was puzzled as to why he had left his comfortable soft armchair in the kitchen. Njunia considered waking up her sister, but decided to leave everything until tomorrow. The frost was so severe that perhaps there would be no school tomorrow. Nunya would certainly stay at home, as she could feel a migraine coming on. It was so late, and she could not fall asleep, but happy to have such a warm house, a wonderful mummy and daddy, and Endmund and Lila, and Anusha, and little Euretrak, and Olga, and Zaha, and tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Everything is supposed to happen tomorrow. Auntie, Blinis, honey, berry, score. What is so special about tenth of February? Nunya asked herself. The wind howled and shutters clattered, as Zahar had forgotten close them. He seemed to forget rather a lot lately. Maria had explained that this comes with old age. I must never forget the trunk from St. Petersburg. I like it a lot and one day I will ask mamma to gift it to me for my wedding. But who to? Żuczek or Abrahamek? Difficult choice. I shall think about it tomorrow.